0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to a Community of Principals podcast, a conversation to support leaders. I'm your host, Ben Gilpin. Now, let's get this started. We are back at it. The Community of Principles podcast, the MEMSPA podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Ben Gilpin, and I have with us a great guest today. We are in now that, uh, that final stretch of the school year, For those of you that are in quarters, you're probably in quarter number four. And if you're in trimesters, you're in that last trimester as the year kind of winds down. A couple of things with this. Uh, Number one, hopefully the weather starts to get a lot better. But number two, this is the time of year that um, for many of you, you're getting ready to standardized test. And so that is a whole nother ball of wax. What I would say to all of you is that I don't think standardized testing is going anywhere. And our attitude as leaders does matter. So being positive, being supportive, being a cheerleader for not only our staff, but also our students is a really big deal. So just keep that in mind. It's probably not going away and we need to make the best of it. And without any further ado, Walt Sutherland is joining us today. Walt, welcome. How are you? Hey, I'm wonderful, Ben. Thanks for having me on. This is fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Walt, you know, you and I have crossed paths a couple different times, especially up at MEMSPA, and I know that you you and I are probably less than an hour away from each other, but um, can you let everybody know, where are you currently located, and how'd you get there?
1: Well, the short story is I am in Holt, Michigan, which is a suburb to the south of Lansing, immediately below Lansing, between Lansing and Mason, and Holt is in Delhi Township, so it's really a school district is the town, even though there is a, a township called Delhi. I'm in a fifth and sixth grade building called Washington Woods Middle School. We've got about 45, 4700 kids in our district, and there are 10 buildings. So we have five K-4 buildings, two five six buildings, a 7-8, a nine eleven, and then a senior campus. Okay, so tell me, So how long have you been there? I've been in Holt 15 years. I'm completing my 15th year. Um, Was a third and fourth grade teacher. I did looping in a multi-age classroom and kind of designed that with my partner teacher when I first started and loved it and really believed in that model using a lot of, you know, Montessori and Reggio sort of tricks within a public school model. I then was an instructional coach and I did that K-12 and I learned a lot because I've never really been exposed to high school and some of the different dynamics above elementary, and then moved into a few interim principal jobs. One in the building where I taught, uh, that was fun. And then one where I am right now at Washington Woods and ended up interviewing and and taking that job after my interim. So I've been here seven years as a principal.
0: And so the current superintendent, I believe, is uh, Dr. Hornack?
1: Correct. David Hornack is our superintendent. Yep.
0: And and so those of you that uh, have probably been at MEMSPA for a long time know that uh, David was a long-time elementary principal. And um, I crossed paths with him several times up at MEMSPA. So good on you guys. Yeah. Well, Walt, it's great having you on. We are going to um, kind of dive into some questions. I'm assuming you've probably listened to the podcast before, and this is a great opportunity for you to share a part of you and also for others to connect in, in new new ways to those of you that haven't heard a whole lot about Walt. So we're just going to dive in with the with the fun one. What are two things most people don't know about, about
1: you? Yeah, I do listen to, to you have these conversations usually when I'm at the gym. And it, it's fun to go through a few of your podcasts at a time while I'm working out. Something that most people don't know, if you looked at me, you probably don't know that I go to a gym. <laughs> but one of the things is I've had an adult lifelong idea to become a hospital and emergency services chaplain. And it took me a while to realize the pieces of my life experience and how my journey through education and through business has sort of built the toolbox that I'm going to speak that into the universe. And then one day I will be pursuing that as my next chapter. When I was 18, I was a paramedic and did that for about two and a half years. And through that work, being exposed to a really dark side of life, I realized that police, fire, medics, and then families in crisis at, at the hospital really need someone on their side and to help them through some of those darker moments spiritually. But as an 18, 20-year-old, you're not really going to have the tools to do that. No one's going to listen to you. And so I put it on the shelf, and that's coming back to life as far as my uh, my next chapter that I'm thinking about. The other thing, the second thing is I use my July, as most of us do, to fit in as much restoration for ourselves as we can. And so I usually brainstorm a project between January and June, and then in July, I build it. And for the last few years, it's been using reclaimed barn wood. There's a place in Mason, Michigan, that sells barn wood. And imagine you're spending money for old wood, 100-year-old wood. So I made our bedroom set out of that. I've made our kitchen table set, some decorations and and things like that, a couple headboards, and that's how I really get into my own head and enjoy doing things in July.
0: I think I know that spot. Is it over by the train tracks?
1: It's ex- yeah, Michigan Barnwood yes. and Salvage. It's an outstanding store, and they've got another company, Crimson Oak, that just opened in Jackson, a store in Jackson with some of their furniture. What oh, a small world! Yeah.
0: So you're handy. Obviously, you you enjoy working with your hands, building things, creating things. I I love the idea of that brainstorming. But I got to tell you, I never saw the chaplain piece coming, and and that's uh, that's not a knock in any way. I just uh, that's that really caught me off guard. So good on you. I, I guess my a couple follow ups to that would be: Are you able to to do weddings?
1: See, I would not I, if I were to be ordained in a church. Yes, I could do weddings. People can also. I have got a couple of teachers who have become ordained online, and they can do weddings. So that's not the biggest thing. I'm not really into leading a church or church ministry, but actually the, the boots on the ground, universal spirituality of people in need. And the way I've come to find school is it's ministry in itself. This is where people come. And this, is, this may be the, the best version of spirituality that some people are exposed to for me working as a teacher and a principal at this point in my life. But in the hospital, you get everybody from every creed, race, everything who needs someone who just cares for them. And I really think that that's the gift that I brought. And when I look back at my career, those are the pieces that come together. So being ordained may or may not happen. Leading other ceremonies may or may not happen, but uh, helping people when they're in need definitely is going to continue.
0: Hmm. Nice, well said. Okay, let's go. To, uh, let's transition to the next question. What is a current issue that Walt is dealing with um, in Holt? Well, I think
1: well, I hope it's not just in Holt, but before COVID, this 1% cap of My Access testing reared its head. And it's a federal regulation that there's a, a cap of 1% of all students in your district can take the My Access tests and pass with proficiency. And so, what the feds and the state have to use this for is calculating AYP, annual yearly progress. So, few educators I know care a lot about high stakes tests and how they're used to rank schools. But this 1% cap really has been something I've been struggling with because I know statistically, we're not going to have a cognitively impaired population that is huge. But I do think 1% and the rules around that are really limiting. When most educators I know care and trust their IEP team, which includes families, to make decisions for appropriate programming for an individual student, and when you have rules that say, well, we cannot do this programming because it requires a different track for testing, which really is about AYP versus the kids' needs, it's really frustrating to me.
0: I hear that 100%. And, and you say it very well. The simple part is the testing is for the adults. Yeah. And, and see, see that's said And I realized at the beginning that I put out that little disclaimer about standardized testing is not going away. And the truth is it's not because it's high stakes, it's huge money, but you just, you know, you really hit on a piece that I think most of us all understand and feel that these standardized tests, these high stakes tests are for the adults. They're not for the kids. And that's the part part to me that just, um, I wish that could be changed in education, but it is far, far bigger than me
1: right right and that's why it's it's something I struggle with and I this question itself I thought about hmm what is one of the big things yeah I I can't change this I have to learn how to play within it but it means a lot of apologies and just you know being compassionate with families of we all agree this is the programming or the supports that the child might need however we can't go all the way because of the testing. And that means the kid is going to have to take a much harder MStep test than they probably are able to do at that point. So we're all in that one together, but it is a hard one.
0: Accurate. Well, let's, uh, let's shift over to a win though. How about in the last, uh, last 12 months ish,
1: what's a victory? I will say my victory is my staff every day, every month, the last 12 months, it's always my staff. I am really good at hiring and I, inherited a staff of pretty experienced teachers and teams of teachers but I've also hired since then and moved people around to create a family-like atmosphere and culture and so if you can hire really well and then get out of people's way and let them do their work really well you have what I am living right now is a staff that can handle almost anything and we've walked through some fire together we've walked through some really sensitive situations that you and I have talked about on the back end sometimes and my staff just amazes me every single time the, the way families request to have teachers over and over because their siblings had the teachers. The kudos that we receive from community and the grace that we receive through everything we've done with COVID and flipping to remote learning and then flipping back to partial, having half the kids in the building and half of them not. It's my staff every single time. I call my teachers mostly are between 12 and 18 years in the profession. And I consider that the J curve of teachers. And so they're over that turnover, you know, 50% leave in the first five years, they're past that they're battle scarred and they're still energized to learn and do stuff together. And that just makes it so easy on a principal. So if I ever were to walk away, someone is going to inherit a wonderful staff.
0: Mm, very well said. A couple things that, um, that I want to follow up with number one I completely agree trusting trusting and just um, getting out of their way I think is the phrase that you used and one of the phrases I oftentimes like to use is I just want to let the professionals be professional Yep, just do their thing they are the professionals they are the boots on the ground so to speak and getting out of their way just like you said is is a top priority my other question to you though is you said you're you're good at hiring mm-hmm. and I mean obviously you've got a fantastic staff so that speaks for itself right there But what is something that you look for in a hire?
1: Disposition for sure. And I usually include some members of the team, usually the direct partners of who's going to be working with the person, but disposition for fit. Because as we know, anyone comes out with a teaching degree, you can teach them to teach. They will learn that baptism by fire in the first few years. But you cannot teach personality and you cannot teach that sort of fit within a team. So I'm looking for disposition and that that's unique in every interview. There's different folks come in with lots of different experiences. I've hired experienced teachers and I really like doing that. If I can get someone who's seven or eight years in, great. And lately the way the market's gone is districts are paying steps more than they have before. So it's not good as principals, we're robbing from each other sometimes, but it is good for the, for the teachers as employees. And then I hire for who's going to add to this, to the culture in the building overall. And that's why I, I like having teachers on the interview panel with me. I'll do screeners and then present the last three or four candidates if we get that many this year, you know, and then have the group as a whole decide, is this the right fit? Everything else can come after that. We've been lucky so far.
0: Yeah, I think you're spot on with that. Fit is one of those um and it's very subjective. I get that, but the truth is fit really does matter. And it's something that um I know as a 20-something when I was starting out as a teacher, I had no idea what fit really even meant. And the more experience I've gained both on both sides of the table, the understanding of fit is is such a such a crucial piece that it's really difficult to even explain to people. Because you have to understand what the culture and dynamic is inside the building. but Then you also have to be able to to have a pretty good read of people. Mm -hmm. I tend to believe that over time, as I've hired people, one thing I continuously look at more and more, fit is absolutely one of those things. But the other piece is I'm looking for people with a pretty high EQ.
1: Yes, totally.
0: Yep. Well... Walt, that brings us to our last question. This has been great. I really feel like I've gotten a better sense of who you are. And and that's I love that part of this, selfishly for myself. But this last question, this season, season five, all of 2021, 2022, has been the focus of You Matter. So the question is, what does Walt do for Walt? Yeah.
1: Almost everything I do is um, outside of work or outside of school is either from or for family. I've got two kids and a wife who has been everything to me for 25 years almost. So family is the biggest thing. But if I was really breaking that down, what do I do just for me? I had a teacher ask me if I would start a Bible study a few years ago, and I thought "Mm, it, it didn't land well as far as a principal leading a Bible study in his own school. But the two of us, he and I, who were already friends, started a devotional in the morning with an app, just where we would both read the same thing, comment back and forth. And then during the day, sometimes we'll talk about whatever we were, we read. And it kept us focused. So that's something that I've done. This started about, mm, I'd say, two and a half years ago. And my mom, who had been battling uh, cancer for 12 years prior, she was wrapping up the end of, of her struggle there. And so I really picked up and and just did a morning devotion with this guy online and then myself. And I've been... Pretty regular with that every single day for the last two and a half years. And I think it's changed a lot of how I've walked through my my work and everything else. When I talk about being that spiritual help for someone else, um, doesn't have to be Christianity, doesn't have to be a specific religion. But having that routine and taking the time for me to recenter and realize that um, here's what you're doing today, and this is what you need to be focusing on no matter how hard it gets. So that's what I do for me every single morning. you
0: know what I like about this and and it's really gonna be the theme throughout your entire this entire um, episode with you is you're very grounded I mean you're you're definitely you know you know your values, you know what's important to you and and I think people will hear that in this episode and right there, that last question about you know your daily devotionals, connecting with staff in any way, shape, or form, so not just. And that's really when it comes down to this, what I've learned in 12 years of being a principal is to support people. It goes beyond, beyond the academic realm. I mean, it, it's supporting people. And that's what I hear you're doing on a daily basis. And and I just, um, props to you. I think that's a that's a noble thing to do. And I think that that's today's leadership.
1: It has to be a very compassionate leadership these days. I I don't think we're in this era anymore of you know, laser focus. Do everything by a playbook, and make it successful. You have to love people, and my motto is learn and serve. If I'm not learning, I'm serving. If I'm not learning to serve, I'm learning so I can serve. You know, it's just it's back and forth, and it's all about how you take care of people.
0: And on that note, I just want to thank you again for coming on, Walt. Uh, this is great. I once again I get to know I'm I'm the selfish one that gets to know so much more about uh, our MEMSPA members and. And Walt is somebody that you will frequently see at uh, professional development, including MEMSPA, the, the annual conference. Now is also the time, people, if, uh, if you have not noticed, the Summer Institute, you can uh, sign up right now to uh, be a part of that as well. And that is going to be on Mackinac Island at the one and only Grand Hotel. Um, so hopefully we will all see you there. Thanks again, Walt. This has been absolutely fantastic. Again, I appreciate your insight, but also um, just your vulnerability of of sharing who you are.
1: I appreciate it. And and you're the gracious one because through your project, I have met a lot of people virtually and understood who they are. And there's a lot of great people out there working in education in Michigan.
0: Well, thanks again. Okay, everybody, hopefully you'll tune into the uh, episode with Walt and let's finish strong. Next week, we've got a new guest coming on with us, and let's make it a great spring. Hopefully, the sun will be shining. And uh, as they all say, April showers bring May flowers. Have a great one. Well, thanks again to our guest. Let's continue to connect and reflect because that's what leaders do. Thank you to all of our listeners. Don't forget to check out hashtag MemSpaChat Thursday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And you can also find more leadership tools at memspa.org.